Welcome to the Walder Sportscast with your host, Chris Walder. It's Friday, March the 10th, 2023, and you're listening to episode 62. The Scott Pollard, who I didn't even know was on a season of Survivor, go figure, of the Walder Sportscast. Now, I haven't been on Survivor, but I am Chris Walder, and you can reach me on Twitter and Instagram at Walder Sports. And I am here today back with you on that NBA and Toronto Raptors grind. We had a special Sunday episode ahead of AEW's Revolution card, which, by the way, absolutely tremendous show, insane main event. The more I see these big events, Tony Khan, get a major pay-per-view to Toronto ASAP. Even my wife, who usually despises me hogging the television every Wednesday, she gets into it a lot. She loves Jungle Boy Jack Perry. She's always singing Judas when Chris Jericho is on the screen. It's growing on her. But, you know, we compromise because I do watch The Bachelorette with her (laughs) occasionally, hard for me to admit, on Monday nights. So it's a lot of give and take in this marriage, especially when it comes to who's operating the television. But one person I will not be watching The Bachelorette with, thank God, or discussing it with as well, is today's guest. Because he was tentatively supposed to be on my last show, but our schedules did not mesh. But I snagged him today, everyone. It's Sportsnet's Blake Murphy, the man of a thousand hats and jobs and writing roles. Currently the co-host of Sportsnet 590 The Fans Fan Drive for your evening commutes home from work. He also does a ton of writing for Sportsnet.com, covering the Raptors, of course, as well as the Blue Jays. A team I root for from afar, but I have little to no knowledge about, so maybe Blake can fix that on today's program. But before I bring Blake on, while you're here, leave a rating and review if you want to support me and the program. really does go a long way towards getting more eyes and ears, checking out the Walder Sportscast, and give a listen to my last show with Emmy Award-winning sportscaster John Alba, good friend of mine. And no, he doesn't pay me to say that about him, but it's quite the feather in his cap. I like to acknowledge it whenever I chat with him. That's a pretty cool distinction to have. A lot of wrestling talk covering that Revolution card I pointed out earlier. And he had some Bruce Springsteen songs I need to pay attention to. And uh, if you don't know who Bruce Springsteen is, you're probably too young to listen to this podcast. Jokingly, of course, jokingly. But nevertheless, go follow John on Twitter at John Alba and give that show a listen. But without further ado... The great Blake Murphy joins me after this short break, so keep it locked. Perfect. Perfect. Blake Murphy, a Toronto Raptors and Blue Jays analyst for Sportsnet, as well as the co-host of the Fan Drive Time on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, which you can listen to Monday through Friday from 5 to 7 p.m. Follow him on Twitter at BlakeMurphyODC. Blake, it's good to hear from you again, buddy. Thanks for coming on. An an early morning for at least me, but for you, this is probably child's play at this point. (laughs) Well, it was a late night. I had to find out uh, the address and all the personal information of NBA official Ben Taylor so that I could dox him for Raptors fans. I had to, you know, make sure that my uh, Scott Foster jersey is pressed and ready to go for the next home game. Uh, Yeah, it's been a a chaotic week in Raptor land. Uh, I don't like doing the ref talk, but there's no way around it this week. Well, uh, don't worry about it because we are going to definitely get into some officiating talk later on this podcast but first I just want to talk to you I was alluding to it in that intro about your schedule because I remember when you were doing the morning show uh, for Sportsnet 590 the fan and I know the show was starting at like six o'clock in the morning which sounds exhausting to a guy like me what were your days looking like when you were doing that show like what time were you getting to the office going to bed because I would assume that you weren't getting a great deal of sleep which still may be the case it's the only time in my life I've ever like been able to nap and become a napper regularly. So for the 6 a.m. show, I was probably up around like 4.45 most days um, if I was going in the studio. There was a stretch where we were doing it for, from home, and I could push it to maybe like 5 or 5.10 or something like that. Um, but you usually have like a pre-show meet to like kind of go over the show and um, 
touch touch base and check in with your co-hosts and your producer and stuff um so let's say 445 for the sake of um you know that was the most common uh luckily i only live like a 15 minute walk from the studio so um that part made it easy like uh jd bunkus like commuted in and the subway's not running at that time of day so like <laughs> i don't know how you even got there from the west end of of downtown um but he managed uh and yeah and then there's um there is a difficulty of not only are you up that early but you have to be talking about the games that happened the night before so um last season i found that i watched far less west coast basketball than i would like and would normally um obviously raptors leafs jays have to take precedent over um out of market games but yeah you you also can't really push it past um you know like 11 o'clock if you're going to be up at 4 45 and have to be quote unquote on by 6 a.m so uh the five to seven hours are nicer uh the three to five hours in the summer when i was doing jay's talk plus that's that's a perfect uh day structure because you've even got enough time to like go to the gym or like get a meal in before the game starts at night after your show and you don't have to wake up that early uh three to five that's the time slot for me i think <laughs> are you a big coffee guy or are you like running on on caffeine to get everything done in your life uh yeah like i would say i probably have like three a day um i'm not like crazy about it or anything i don't do the i don't have much of the fancy ones usually just drip or americano or something like that um but yeah like i don't know three three a day maybe dude i don't know how your heart isn't exploding at this point with all of the caffeine you're chugging three sounds like a lot i'm not a coffee guy i don't drink timmy's or or starbucks i am an ice cap guy though got a lot of okay. flack for that back in the day well that's uh yeah you've pivoted from maybe the caffeine is affecting your heart to your insulin levels probably are just insane <laughs> when you have one of those because as i remember i haven't had one in years but like that, those things are pure sugar right uh pretty much i'll find out the hard way in a few years uh or whenever i inevitably <laughs> go back to see my doctor but uh that's a, another story altogether but again thank you so much for coming on today buddy it's been a minute i know the last time uh, you and I talked or at least saw each other was at that Wrestling Brain show in downtown yeah. Toronto prior to AEW Dynamite. We didn't really get a chance to talk, which was unfortunate. We were there for our boys from Wrestling Brain. But, uh, of course, you and I also worked at The Score many eons ago. But before we get into basketball and, and obviously that Fred Van Vliet pipe bomb uh, from last night's loss to the Los Angeles Clippers, I, I want to talk about you. Uh, because, again, like I said, it's been a while since you and I talked. I remember back in, I think it was October, where you talked on Twitter about your battle. You were, you were dealing with some long COVID and post-COVID complications. So first and foremost, I just want to ask how you're feeling you know, physically, mentally, just overall across the board. Yeah, uh, it's been a, a pain in the ass. Um, so I don't know. I, the, we still don't really like know a lot about long COVID or post COVID stuff or whatever. Um, I got COVID late April last year and like, am only just now being able to like exercise regularly and not like when I go to the gym, not like wondering if today I'm going to feel like garbage or if I'm going to feel good. Um, so I think the worst of it's behind me now, but there was just like, I don't know, seven or eight months where your immune system shot and I was super prone to like getting fevers and stuff like these 24 to 48 hour fevers. And yeah, I mean, it carries as much of a mental toll as physical because you can't go to the gym, which is obviously a, a part of most people's, you know, way they manage their mental health and stuff like that. Right. Um, and then just like the frustration level and that, that kind of cloud over you of looking over your shoulder like oh will i feel good today will i feel <laughs> crappy today um but i think i don't want to jinx it but i i think i'm like out of the weeds here because it's been it's been a little bit uh since i last had like a, a setback phase and i can i've been exercising uh, a couple times a week now which i wasn't able to do for like a year so uh hope baby steps but hopefully uh still going in the right direction well, I'm happy to hear that, buddy. Again, you got us all worried there in the Raptors Twitter community. Again, health and happiness first and foremost. I don't think anyone cared that much. <laughs> hey, um, man, look, I'm a, I'm a positive guy. I look out for everyone that looks out for me. And again, I, I'm happy to hear you're, you're on the up and upward. You know, I, I want you to feel as good as possible. And like, like you said, you've always been someone who's had a lot on their plate to begin with. Because even before you and I were first connecting way back when, I was always familiar with your work and writing because you were all over the place. You were 
you know, working for so many different publications. And now you're squarely with Sportsnet and, and Sportsnet 590 The Fan. You're covering multiple teams and leagues, of course, with the Raptors and the Toronto Blue Jays. You have your own radio show as well. D- do you ever find yourself overwhelmed or at this point are you just hardwired to be able to juggle all of that yeah I think just more hardwired and like there are obviously days where it's tiring or weeks where it's tiring or whatever like even tonight we're recording this on Thursday morning like there is no Raptors or Leaf game tonight and that is like very very rare this time of year now there is a 905 game uh so we'll see if I end up throwing that on in the background or just watching it later tomorrow or something but um it can get a little bit like like having the show five to seven and then doing some of the extra tv stuff and then having games pretty much every night it can be a strain on like um finding time for for friends and socially and stuff like that but i just try to remind myself pretty regularly that yeah the reason that um the plate is so full is that i i get to just like talk about sports as a job and like that's that's part of the the trade-off with it so um it doesn't really like overwhelm me much or or, like bother me that much I'm pretty used to it and then it's still like I don't know it's been like 10 years that I've been doing it now and it's still like fun to go to work every day and do stuff so um if that weren't the case then maybe I would feel differently but I don't know it's like like that what was it this past Saturday where we went um Jay's spring training game into Raptors game into Leafs game into a big UFC it's like yeah that's a crazy day and uh it's a lot but also that's what I would be doing if I worked a nine to five Monday to Friday that's what I do with my Saturday anyway um and this way I get paid for it so it's uh it's never too bad (laughs) Well, one of the things I've always admired about you, Blake, and I've talked about this with others in the community as well, is your willingness to lend a helping hand. Because again, you're you're an incredibly busy guy, but you've had this overarching impact on so many young basketball writers looking to carve out a space in this field. And you've always been so forthcoming with your time. You're always willing to come on my podcast like you've done several times before. Do you ever kind of see yourself in that light, Blake? Because I think a lot of people in this Raptors basketball online landscape would consider you a major influence on them. I don't I don't really think about it much, honestly. Um like it's not something that I've ever like intentionally set out to be like, oh, I'm gonna do this or have this influence or help this person or whatever. It's just I don't know. Like the the at the time that I kind of started, and it'll make me sound like an old head or whatever, but like yeah, it's been about a decade, and um, you want like the person who's trying to do what you did uh, behind you to have like a slightly easier time than you did, whether that's. Um, with Raptors Republic or having their work promoted or just like having someone to bounce questions off of what or whatever Um, but I don't I don't think about it that much it's just kind of you know those things come up and I say yes to them or I try to help where I can Um, it's not really like a like an intentional um, thing I know this isn't a very good answer and I'm just kind (laughs) of stumbling around it but um, no it's not it's not something I, I think of except in like you know, there are moments where like during the NBA finals, I look around and there are like eight people credentialed at the finals who have had touches at Raptors Republic at one point or another, or, um, you know, th- moments like that where you kind of re- reflect um, and and are forced to, but no, like day to day, week to week or whatever. I, I don't really think about it much. It's more, I don't know. There are, there are people in the industry who will try to, um, make life harder for others or, or block people. And, and I, I just don't want to be one of those people. So if, if like the worst someone could say about me is that I was like neutral to their path and didn't, didn't help, but didn't get in the way, that's uh that's enough of a W and anything on top of that is, uh, is great. I mean, I may have told you this in the past, but when I first worked at the score several, several years ago, and I was working alongside you for a brief period, I saw the amount of, of dedication and the amount of like, just overall hard work that you did and I was like man if I really want to make it in this industry I have to be at that level 
with the amount of effort that this guy is putting in. And I would see some of like these notes that you were taking. And I remember he posted on Twitter, uh, it was probably a long time ago, um, the amount of notes you had. And it was like the most ineligible thing in the world that only you, Blake Murphy, would be able to decipher. Are, are you still kind of taking your notes on that front? Or have you upgraded to like a, a keyboard and a Mac? Or are, are you still on that grind? Uh, depends on the, uh, the timing and like what the event is. So I, I still prefer to take handwritten notes, um, during a Raptors game. Like I don't take notes to the same level that I was before because what those indecipherable notes were, were like, Hey, they ran this play, or this is a rotation thing that I want to go back to, or this is a time stamp of a play they ran. But because I'm writing less and particularly doing less of the like video dives, um, I don't need it in quite as much detail. Um, I actually, it's funny. I went back not long ago and like found one of my notebooks from when I was like blogging about hockey as well, um, right. in like 2012, 2013-ish. And, uh, yeah, it was like just as chaotic, but like in my in hockey shorthand instead. Um, so I do prefer basically um, for basketball. Now I'll still take notes, but um, usually just like in a word doc and then I'll just email it to myself after every game um, because I, I need fewer things from the games. And then uh, with baseball, like the old school version of taking notes is just like fill out your scorecard as you go. Uh, I I've kicked around the idea of like make getting like a custom baseball scorecard made and just like have a book of them to, to carry with me, but I haven't done that yet. Um, and it also, it, it, this is again, a bad answer. I'm not having a good podcast day, Chris. Um, it also <laughs> depends like what my role is and what I'm doing that day. Like if I'm at a blue Jays game, as a fan, like, and having a couple beers, like, no way am I taking notes. Then if I'm there and I'm in the radio booth and I'm doing pre and post game and, you know, through the course of that broadcast, I'm slipping, like, stat notes to Ben Wagner and Caleb Joseph or whatever, um, like, that's a different approach. And then, you know, last night, like, last night's Raptors game, for example, I took almost no notes because I'm not writing off of it and, like, the weird the kind of weird thing to navigate about having a 5 p.m show is like by the time 5 p.m rolls around i don't think anyone really cares about the like tactical specifics of the game the night before like i'd imagine come five o'clock today all anyone will really want to talk about is fred's comments um so i i don't in a game like that one and i did pre-game so i kind of got my work out of the way um but yeah last night i, I would have taken almost no notes except for on fred's comments after <laughs> Oh, we'll get into Fred's comments a little bit later in the show. Blake Murphy from Sportsnet 590 The Fan joining me on the Walder Sportscast here today. I'm kind of bummed that I didn't get a chance to attend this, but adding to this ginormous resume of yours, Blake, you also did recently some guest commentary for Smash Wrestling in downtown yeah. Toronto. What was that experience like for you? Being uh, obviously a pretty big wrestling fan, what kind of preparation went into doing those shows? Uh, more preparation than was necessary, which will shock you to hear about me. Um, no, they were, they were a lot of fun. So, um, the, the guy who runs smash, his name's Sebastian. Um, he is a big Raptors fan and we've become friends over the years through like talking about the Raptors and stuff. And I used to take my younger brothers to smash shows all the time when they were out at like the, the Horner community center in Mississauga and stuff, or, or when they had London shows. So um, I had kind of let him know like, Hey, if you ever like are in a pinch, that would be a cool bucket list item for me to like do some guest commentary or whatever. And then it turned out in the fall, their, their regular play-by-play -play guy just like couldn't do a whole weekend of, of events. Um, so I did that. I, I was out in London and then Toronto um, for some, and I like, it's just cool. Like Dalton Castle and Joe Hendry and people like that uh, on nice. the card who are like you've seen on TV before and stuff. Um, it was a blast. And like you kind of, you know, the process was some of the people on the card you're you're pretty familiar with. Like I know the names of Dalton Castle's moves and stuff, and I know his whole shtick. Um, some indie wrestlers from London, Ontario, who like have one match on YouTube that's a little more difficult to, to prep for. Um, so it was a lot of like finding out what I could online, watching whatever YouTube matches were, were available online. And then day of getting there a few hours early and like talking to each of the people about like, okay, where's your character right now? Like, where are they? Where are you in the story progression? What do you want me to be getting over? Do you have any, you know, specific names for your own personal finishers and stuff instead of just, you know, like, 
like at that point, Joe Hendry's changed the name of it since, but he was using the old um, Big Show showstopper as a finisher at the time. That kind right. of like not choke slam, but hand to the chest, big one handed slam. And he was calling it the Joe stopper at the time. Um, so like without <laughs> talking to him, I wouldn't have known the, that because he was like kind of going down a new character path and um, having like like he I don't know that it had been called that. Uh, at any point so yeah it was it was and also like i mean you you can imagine yourself in those shoes like it was just a lot of fun to sit around backstage and like talk to the people about like okay what's going on with your character now what do you want me to get over that kind of stuff it was uh it was a lot of fun and then i did it once again a couple weeks back they did a toronto show the day of the royal rumble and i did that one and then uh there was a london show the next day and there was a snowstorm, so like some of the production crew and production trucks couldn't get there. So we actually didn't even do commentary, and I just worked the hard cam for for that show um, because like <laughs> they needed someone doing camera work, and I was like, yeah, I came out here, I'll I'll help out. However, um, so instead of uh, yeah, instead of commentating that one, I was just cameraman for a day. Well, you're living the dream of a young Chris Walder and even a middle-aged Chris Walder, uh, Mr. Blake Murphy. Are you going to be doing more work with Smash in the future? Or are you going to be donning like an Excalibur mask, uh, make yeah. it part of your gimmick? I would love that. Um, yeah, and then I don't have to worry about being perceived. Um, no, I, I would hope so. Um, you know, I think they went well. I, I think they were happy enough with, with how it turned out, considering I had no experience. Like, the only play-by-play or color commentary that I'd done prior to that was um, back when I was at University of British Columbia, so like 2012-ish, calling some youth sports action. Uh, so that's uh, quite a while back and not the same level. So um, I don't know. It was cool. And I, I would imagine I'll, I'll be in the mix again. They have their normal commentary team, so uh, I don't know how often it'll come up. And then obviously I've got to work around my Raptors and, and Jays schedule and stuff. Um, but I had fun, and, and they're, the events are so fun at Rec Room and stuff like that. So uh, hopefully it comes up again. No Blake Murphy uh, NXT tag team jokes, I assume. I, I assume that part of your life is over with? Yeah. If you search my name on Google, the that tag team no longer comes up on the first page. I've taken my... <laughs> My first page of Google back from them. There's some like plastic surgeon named Blake Murphy. I got to get him out next. Uh, you're in the crosshairs next, uh, Dr. Blake Murphy. But yeah, it's it's nice that, um, first of all, uh, Buddy Matthews obviously goes by that name now. And yes. uh, Wesley Blake goes by whatever name he goes by now in whatever fed he's in these days. Um, yeah, so there. That's that's out of there. Finally, no more people DMing me telling me that Hideo Itami is gonna kick my ass or that Alexa Bliss <laughs> should leave me. I remember you said that during our last podcast. You're getting those DMs. Yeah. The uh, Alexa Bliss stands. Yeah, uh, Alexa Bliss stands. Uh, Hideo Itami is gonna kick your ass. Can you ask the revival to unblock me? Uh, all sorts of stuff. Well, man, I'm seriously so happy to hear that you're living your best life. You're doing so much good work with Sportsnet. Obviously, these recent uh, commentary editions with, with Smash Wrestling in Toronto. I'm glad you're doing well, of course. But I, I do want to get into some Toronto Raptors questions. Because we are recording this on Thursday morning. Toronto's coming off that 108-100 loss against the Clippers. Uh, currently 32-35 and 35 for the season. And I didn't really plan on talking about this game at great length, but I, I wake up this morning, I went to bed at a fairly decent hour, I was keeping my phone with me just on the off chance that something blew up, I do my Bodog tweets at the end of every game, but from the heavens above, Blake, Fred Van Vliet unleashes this CM Punk-esque post-game rant where he goes in on the officiating, specifically Ben Taylor, says he was quote-unquote fucking terrible, calling out Taylor for almost targeting him to an extent, because a majority of Fred's texts this season have been courtesy of Taylor. And obviously these last few games for the Raptors have had some pretty major officiating red flags. If we go back to that Denver Nuggets loss as well, Scott Foster was the talk of Twitter. But for you, Blake, what was your initial reaction upon hearing what Fred had to say after that loss in L.A.? Uh, my first reaction was, uh, oh no, Fred, your money, your money, man. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Like, sometimes I feel like, honestly, the best comment you can make toward the refs is just blatantly saying, I'm not, I'm going to save my money. I'm not going to take that fine because like, that's a way of saying, 
these refs sucked so bad that if I give you my opinion on it, I will get fined. Usually I think that does enough, but yeah, if you're going to get fined, get your money's worth. Holy cow. Um, it was great. <laughs> and like, like, look, I don't, I don't want, I hope that that doesn't feed the like worst parts of fandom where, you know, look, let's, we could be honest. The, the league does not have a conspiracy against the Toronto Raptors. They're, almost dead neutral on the year in terms of how many technical fouls they've gotten versus how many technical fouls the other team's gotten in those games. Uh, they actually have more free throws than their opponents on the year. More than any of that, though, like, you do not win an NBA championship and get through multiple games and series by, like, a single point if there is a conspiracy against you. The conspiracy would be better run than to let that happen. Uh, in most cases, I lean on Hanlon's razor here, which is uh, don't attribute to malice what you can instead attribute to stupidity. Basically, the refs aren't evil. They're just bad. Um, but there are some instances, and I think, look, refs are going to miss calls. Um, Nick Nurse talked the other day about why he doesn't like challenges, why I personally don't really like them other than it slows the game down is those are mo there are always 50-50 calls and coaches have a slightly worse than 50% success rate on them. So what that tells me is that refs are getting roughly 50% of the 50-50 calls right and coaches also get roughly 50% of the 50-50 calls right. Uh, that to me means 50-50 is accurate in their 50-50 calls. Um, but where I have issue, and this came up with, this comes up with Scott Foster a lot, and I had never really noticed until Fred pointed out, and I went back over some of the game logs that Ben Taylor ha has a thing with the Raptors. You can't let, like your primary job as a referee is to call the fouls and things like that, but the biggest thing is to manage the game and to make sure that if everyone gets hot, that that doesn't boil over, and that if you know, personalities are, are getting too big that you you maintain that. And that is, you know, you're talking about elite athletes. You're talking about extremely competitive people. You're talking about millionaires who make way more than you. Uh, I don't think the way to do that is ever to show them up. And I think that the Scotty Barnes, Scott Foster one was a particularly egregious example of like, not only did you show them up, but you also like went not outside of the rule book because you are allowed to toss someone with only one tech, but you are making a pretty big statement to toss a guy with only one technical yes. foul in a huge part of a close game. Um, and then with the Ben Taylor stuff, like to hear if Fred's being truthful that what he got the tech for was talking to his own teammates and saying, play through the bullshit. Um, I hope I could swear. Sorry. Um, Go for it. <laughs> like play through it. Basically, and yeah, maybe he shouldn't have used the swear word, but we're talking about in the middle of a very tight basketball game. Um, guys are going to swear. But if you're giving a guy a tech for telling his team to play through your bad officiating, like you're kind of just telling on yourself. So um, tough calls, free throw attempt numbers, things like that. Those are going to ebb and flow. And over the big picture, refs do a not as great a job as we could hope, but it's a really hard job where they absolutely have to improve and where guys like Fred or Scotty Barnes the day before or even Mike Malone kind of made a tongue-in-cheek comment about the Scotty Barnes ejection and how silly it was, um, where those people are right and where the league absolutely, absolutely has to start doing a better job of holding the refs accountable and finding a way to avoid this is when the refs take over and that game management um, instead of it being, let's cool things off, let's make sure the focus in this end game is on the basketball and not hotter heads blowing up. Uh, when you insert yourself in that and you then become a character in the end of the game, that's got to go. And, you know, I, I know I'm not the first person to say this, but like the absolute best referees are the referees you don't really know by name and face and reputation because they do their job without being a part of the story. Um, it's kind of it, like, this isn't the case now as much because people ran with the fact that he looked like Phil Dunphy from Modern Family. But like for years, <laughs> Zach Zarbro was like consistently considered by teams the best ref in the league. And it's because, oh, you look at who refs the most games and the biggest games and who you couldn't pick out of a lineup. And that to me is that's where you know an official is doing a good job where, uh, look, fans shouldn't know what Scott Foster looks like. Fans shouldn't know Ben Taylor's name and his pattern of technical foul calls for certain teams and players. Like, that is not a part of basketball. So um, officiating is really tough. 
especially with the calls, the thing the league has to do a better job of is the accountability and the, hey, you've got to put yourself aside and your own ego aside. You're not a part of these close, super competitive games. You're there to make sure everyone else can focus on the players, uh, not take the focus off of them. Blake, you just answered that question like you were cutting a Brian Danielson promo on Dynamite. Yeah, I'm, I'm going home. Uh, that's I feel like Fred was one tech away from that. I'm just, you know what? Uh, I'm hanging him up. I can't I can't keep losing money for my family, for my children. Um, no, I don't mean to, like, cut a promo. I'm, I'm, and I know it was a long answer, but this is obviously something that fans feel really passionately about. And I think that there are 30 fan bases around the league that think refs have a bias against them and that the league is out to get them. Like, that's a real problem if if... A, if Fans of every team are coming away from even a, a small handful of games every year feeling like they didn't get a fair shake. Like before we even get into the sports gambling of it all, like that's not a good thing right. for your fans to be sitting with and navigating it. And I get it. Like it happens in every sport. It happened in the Super Bowl. Um, the Leafs in, in game seven last year with the Justin Hall off-ball illegal screen that he got whistled for. Um, it, it happens everywhere. You know, the Ben Revere uh, non-strike strike in the Jays' playoff years. All of that stuff happens, and, and you understand it. But I can always at least understand with, like, just a wrong call that that shit happens, and we want to be better at it, but you have to accept it as part of the game. What you absolutely don't have to accept as part of the game is uh, when a ref inserts themselves as a, as a main character and takes the focus off the game entirely. Like, that that element of ref mistakes has to go. The Brad Maddoxes of NBA officiating, oh. getting it, sticking their nose where it doesn't belong, Blake. Yeah, like, I don't know, man. The I, I don't know if these people, like, I don't know if Ben Taylor grew up watching wrestling and he's like, you know who my guy is? Earl Hebner. Like, that's <laughs> the guy I'm a fan of. That's the guy I'm playing as when I get my No Mercy or my SmackDown versus Raw. Like, who are these people who uh, pay to see the reps? I, I don't I don't think they exist, but, uh, yeah, it, it's got to uh, it's got to get curbed a little bit. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you know who Earl Hebner is, I rock with you. Just saying. All the wrestling fans out there who do dig the Walder Sportscast. Uh, Blake, I, I want to paint a picture for you here. I'm going to try and be an optimist. You know, we're, we're looking towards this, this final conclusion of the regular season. If you're painting the best outcome for the Raptors possible, and this is my personal opinion, I think the Raptors get into the play-in, of course, advance out, either get that 7th or 8th seed, and maybe just maybe get one or two games against a Philly, Boston, or Milwaukee in the first round. Considering how crazy this season has been, the ups and downs early on, especially if that's how this season concludes, would you constitute that a successful season? No, I don't think so. Um, I, I mean, given the low that the season hit at one point, it's maybe a successful um, making chicken salad out of the the way the season was going there. Um, but this team won 48 games last year. We heard how much they valued the continuity and thought they'd be better with all the same pieces back, um, same coaching staff, same stars, Scotty Barnes taking a step forward. Uh, the goal for this team was not to have a slightly worse version of last year. Um, more frustrating than any of that is that I feel like we're still in a, an area where what the longer-term path is remains a little murky um the obviously Jakob Pertl has been an awesome fit and no one questioned that and you know there was no doubt that he would help the defense and help Fred Van Vliet by having a real screen setter and stuff like that um but giving up picks to get a guy who improves you from the 11th best team in the east to the 7th best team in the east is uh is a tough one so you know trade deadline wise and big picture wise I'm kind of in a spot where short of them upsetting a team in the first round, which I don't think is very likely, um, I need to see what they do in the offseason as a next step um, before I, I call any of it a, a success or, or a failure, really. Um, but, you know, this team, and maybe this is a little bit of the titles not that far in the rear view, uh, but this team and this front office and this core, really, with how things went last year, like almost pulling off the the unlikely comeback against Philly while shorthanded, um, the goal was not to take a step back this year and have, you know, a slightly similarly competitive first round series. It's not a, 
it's not a success. I don't think it's an abject failure with how good the a couple extra teams in the East got this year and, and given some of the context around the Raptors. Like, I think it's just kind of a, a neutral, the slightly negative year for them. And I don't know. I, I got to see some kind of proof of concept in the offseason with, with what the next move is to add to this group. Because one of the ways you could have convinced me they could add to this group um, and, and kind of keep the faith is, well, you get a high draft pick. Like, you Scotty Barnes it again. It was only a couple weeks ago that they were, I mean, actually, mathematically, they are still closer to the fifth best lottery odds than they are to avoiding the play-in. So uh, that's that's still a thing. Um, and maybe if you got some fortune with that, that that's how you take a step. Jakob Pertl's awesome. They're going to re-sign him. He's a great fit. He makes everything fit a little better and makes things easier. Uh, but this is still, as currently constructed, a team that if we restarted the season right now, probably still finishes sixth in the East. And I don't think that's the aim. Like, I think to use a, a Goran Dragic, uh, this front office and this roster have higher ambitions than sixth in the East. So um, not the end of the world. The playing games will be fun. Uh, scaring Philadelphia 76ers fans again would be fun. Uh, but I don't think anyone, like I don't think anyone is going to look back on 2022-2023 as uh, one of the better Raptor seasons or more fun or, or um, more positive Raptor seasons of the last decade. I'll get this question in quickly here, and it's in conjunction with uh, Freddie Revis at Freddie Revis on Twitter, also the host of the Confederacy of Dunks podcast. I've made a few appearances on before. Uh, he asked Blake, "Are you worried at all about the team's financial situation this summer? Because, like you said, Jakob Pertl, Gary Trent Jr. as well, Fred Van Vliet. It's going to be interesting to see if they can keep all three of these guys. Is that even plausible? And is that something that you would look to do, Blake?" It's it's plausible. Um, so you know, it's something I, I've broken the the numbers down on for sports that in the past, and it gets tight. Um, you know, the answer most of the time with just straight money stuff is nothing's ever stopping you from paying your own guys. Like if the Raptors really wanted, they could just go into the tax to re-sign all these guys. Now it's not how I would manage things, but it's never going to be a case where oh you can't possibly do it. You just have to make those choices. Now, having said that where i get dicey about it is that let's assume that pertle trent and van vliet are all back on deals that are roughly what we expect them to be based on you know the way the market looks right now well it's not that you can't retain those guys it's that that's it like that's your off season then is keeping those guys and um you know you add a first round pick maybe you use the mid-level but if you use the mid-level after re-signing all those guys then you're getting pretty tight to the tax. Um, and, and we've seen in the past, the Raptors will avoid the tax if they can. The championship year is the only time under this front office they've gone into the tax. Um, and also they haven't had a lot of success using the mid-level exception anyway. Um, Otto Porter obviously got hurt this year, but they split it between Aaron Baines and Alex Len before that. They had a summer where they split it between um, McCaw and Ronnie Hollis Jefferson and Stanley Johnson. Um, it's just not a surefire way to add to your team so if you re-sign those three guys financially it's hard to add um, draft pick wise you've played your way out of a top pick probably so then the question becomes okay you kept all these guys that's doable but how does this team take the next step then uh, so then you're probably looking the trade route or you can try to sell the fan base on internal development and continuity again, but it didn't work out particularly well this year. So um, those are where my concerns lie. Not in the dollar amounts, but in the, if you re-sign all those guys, how is this team any different next year? How is this team any better next year? Well, the Raptors may have trouble selling everyone on internal development, but you, sir can sell me on anything you're the money guy you're the x's and o's <laughs> guy that's why i bring you on the show and again i'm so grateful for your time we are running a little bit uh long here i want to get you out of here you have a busy day ahead uh but i do have some fun questions to send you on your way including some from twitter as well hell yeah So this question comes from our friend Josh over at Wrestling Brain. What are some traits that great basketball players have that you think would translate well to professional wrestling, Blake? 
Yeah, it's a it's a great question. Of course, it is from from Josh at Wrestling Brain, and uh, you know it, it's tough because you don't you only see what you see on the court, and I I think obviously size is one. Um, I think some guys, not a lot in the NBA, but there's the odd guy that's shown um, WWE or, or AEW caliber promo work. Uh, you saw that Fred VanVleet clip last night. I think he could cut a promo. Uh, he could probably play with some of that. Uh, underdog fire um you know fighting from underneath the old yes era daniel bryan stuff um, but i think of a guy like stephen adams who has the combination of size and personality and mike skills and just generally being handsome um i think stephen adams is probably the best bet to make a nba to wwe or nba to AEW jump um a couple of the other traits that i'd look for then is uh and this will get really specific but um okay so late in the game a guy comes up with a huge defensive play or a huge uh, bucket in the clutch. And we see those, you know, the the bumper as we go to commercial of the player's reaction to that. Do you have a good and charismatic and intimidating, like, yell or, like, not celebration, but that scream oh, or right. mean mug into the camera? Is that there? Is that on the level we need to see from it? Um, The other thing is... There are certain guys who, when you see scrums under the basket or something like that, just give that aura of you can't mess with, like, I won't use the F word, but you know what I'm talking about, the the don't give a whatever. Um, there are some guys who carry themselves with that in a very intense way where the second the shit goes down, you're like, oh no, that you didn't want to, you didn't want to tangle with that guy. Um, so there are a handful of guys who have that as well, where they just constantly look like some, they wish someone would try them. Uh, so those are some of the traits athletically, any NBA caliber athlete could make the transition to, uh, wrestling. Like I, I don't doubt that Satnam Singh was one of the least athletic NBA prospects yes. we've ever watched and has very quickly turned into not a, a ring general by any means, but like a capable big man in tag scenarios uh, in AEW. So um, that's no problem uh, at all. Like athletically, size-wise, I, I think they'll be fine. It's more of those personality and how you carry yourself aspects, if that makes sense. We've got a Satnam Singh name drop on the Walder Sportscast today, did ladies you, and did gentlemen. Did you know the Memphis Grizzlies still hold his NBA draft rights? I did not know that, but this is something that you would know, Blake. Of course you would. Of course. <laughs> I feel like you said Steven Adams. I feel like most Memphis Grizzlies would translate well to wrestling. Dylan Brooks. Oh, Dylan I mean, the Brooks guy's wrestling up like Steve Austin. Yeah, Dylan Brooks would uh, would do it. The thing Dylan Brooks would have to be careful about, though, is like there are different kinds of, kinds of heat, right? Like there's good heel heat, and I think most of the time Dylan Brooks has that, but I do think there are occasions in which he – goes too far in the other direction and it becomes like that kind of x-pac heat where it's like ooh, i don't think i'm booing you i think i'm turning this off uh so he has right. to be a little bit like dylan brooks on a night he's like eight for 14 and guarding the other team's best player elite 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 heel uh dylan brooks on like a three for 12 night where he gets a technical foul and you know almost fouls out maybe a little less so <laughs> NWO's Danny Green, Mr. Dylan Brooks, uh, playing that role to a T. Uh, Blake, this question comes from at Shingo Okita on Twitter. Who do you have next in line to challenge MJF for the AEW World Championship coming off that in insane Iron Man match at Revolution? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a tough one. Um, and, you know, you can kind of fantasy book stuff and see where that's going to go. I think the next big money program for him like the next headline uh a core four pay-per-view is hangman adam page i think in the interim we might get a look at babyface adam cole at the top of the card i know it's still a couple weeks away from him coming back um but you think about guys near the top of the card on the babyface side that you could heat up quickly enough to have a like one of those programs with mjf that blows off on a, a special edition of dynamite um i think cole's in the mix there i think brian's out of the picture right now page you want to save for uh, a big core four uh storyline and then it looks like bcc is going the heel direction so you're kind of light on uh baby faces at the top of the card so i'll go adam cole do you think mjf holds the belt until the end of the year he has that bidding war of 2024 maybe he holds the belt hostage I don't believe that that's real. I think that that is storyline only at this point. Um, 
and he's just working. But no, I don't think he holds it the uh, the entire year. I don't know when specifically it would come off of him. Um, but the AEW title's been like pretty, with a, 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 with the exception of the CM Punk stuff, like they've been pretty well protected in terms of guys having strong reigns and stuff like that. Um, a heel at the very top for too, too long. Um, I don't know. We've already seen the ratings dip a little bit lately. Um, I guess we got to see like how hot a challenger gets. But to me, I don't think we're too, too far from Hangman Page being the the top of the company again soon. These friggin' marks like Chris Walder, they buy everything in professional wrestling. They <laughs> believe whatever they hear on Twitter, Blake. No, that's better, man. The suspension of disbelief is... Uh, it's important. It's uh, you. Don't, you don't want to be thinking about what the actual um, inner workings are. Like, man, I I don't want to be negative about anyone who like covers wrestling like as a job or whatever. But I thought the fact that the other night during the Iron Man match, we were getting reporting on the reaction of that kid who got a beverage knocked on yeah. him, like. Like, we don't need to be that inside baseball. Like, afterwards, sure, try to find out what happened and get a comment or something like that. But in the middle of the main event, someone is, like, scrambling down to ask that mom how she feels about it. What are we doing? We don't need to do that. A little bit too much, if you if yeah. I do say so myself. And what, it was like tequila they, uh, MJF threw in his face. He thought it was water. Allegedly. Uh, that's one where... Allegedly. Who's who's drinking straight tequila at a wrestling event with a kid? I don't that I that's where uh, that one gets all sorts of weird. Well, sticking with uh, wrestling here, Blake, you recently did that interview with Sami Zayn, and let me tell you, when I heard that you were doing that and saw that you did it, I was incredibly jealous. One of my all-time favorites, and you were there. You were there at uh, Elimination Chamber, no? Or was it just the SmackDown? Uh, did you attend both shows? Yep. Yeah, I did SmackDown and the Elimination Chamber. Um, you know, we had a, a small row of Sportsnet seats, and because I did the the big interview and the story, I was like, "Can I? May I? May I have those, um, please?" Uh, I also did like a little bit of media on the Friday. There was like a press junket at a hotel, which was kind of cool. Um, got to talk to uh, Nikki Cross and Austin Theory and Bronson Reed. In addition to Sami Zayn, I gotta tell you, man, Bronson Reed, like the absolute coolest. Like, you want to talk about a like oh, when good. we were answering that NBA question, like guys who just carry themselves as if they're very cool and very tough. Like, oh yeah, Bronson Reed is the man. Like, if they if he doesn't become something fairly big for this company at some point, they've they've really messed up. He gets so much flack on Twitter because he came in with that stupid, like, he was the, the heavy for Miz. And everyone was saying, man, this guy's, like, last big win. He beat Kazuchika Okada and New Japan, and now look where he is now. But, yeah, he seems like the coolest guy. I, I really dig his, like, Bam Bam Bigelow-esque fighting style in the ring. But before we get off track here, we could do a whole podcast on how cool Bronson Reed is. Uh, but I do want to talk to you about that Sammy uh, Zayn interview because, again, super jealous. Being there live, you even joked that you were pointing to the WrestleMania sign. Blake Murphy for the WrestleMania main event, hopefully one day. Um, but you're a music guy as well, and I was curious because Sami Zayn brought back his old-school NXT theme, um, which I think is one of the best out there. Do you think Sami Zayn's entrance music is, is tops in professional wrestling today, Blake? Not at the very top. Um, I do think it's pretty versatile where uh, a fun sing-along ska song works as a, a babyface song, ska, but also very... It's called. <laughs> very easily as a as a heel song as well because it's ska um the uh yeah i i don't know it's uh it's very very good it's in the top tier i don't think it's at the absolute top we also have to like um first of all i think among current ones like it's gonna be hard to beat edge for me ever um Ooh. i think christian cages in like christian cage in AEW using his old impact song is really good um, I also think the new one for Hangman Page is like right near the top. Like that entrance he had on Sunday was um, very, very good. But yeah, Sami Zayn's near the top, but I'm I'm not willing to to go all the way with it. You're singing Judas when Jericho comes out, aren't you? Oh You're yeah, a that lyrics too. guy, Blake. Yeah, I mean, when Christian Cage, like Christian Cage, changed the industry by coming out to a pop punk song back in the day. Um, like Sto um, Story of the Year did his entrance music at one point. Uh, the Just Close Your Eyes one. Uh, yeah, we're we're anytime you can work that kind of stuff in. I'm actually like 
I'm so out on Johnny Gargano right now because they changed his entrance music from the one that sounded like Paramore to the exact same song, yeah. but sung by a dude. And like, I'm so curious what the thinking was. Like, did you think a song sung by a woman could only work for a heel and now he, that he's a baby face it has to be a dude singer i just don't really understand why they traded in a good version of the song for uh, a much worse generic version of it uh give me back the paramore one give me back pop punk christian cage it's amazing how uh, changing someone's entrance music can go a long way to making someone sour on the character i remember the first thing that when tomaso champa made his debut on Raw and his entrance theme changed because I grew I was watching him with that cool theme in NXT and then all of a sudden they did a 180 with the theme and, and like you said with Johnny Gargano getting a lot of grief right now and it was, probably wasn't even his call to do so yeah it's uh I'm sure it wasn't and uh I don't I don't actually mean to give the grief to him it's just whoever's decision that was um Gargano you know, we talked about Smash Wrestling earlier. That's a longtime Smash Wrestling champion right there. A guy that I've seen uh, main main event those Mississauga Community Center shows uh, a couple of times. So, um, yeah, it's not a, it's not a him thing, but that music decision is a, is a bad one. And lastly, Blake, I, I end the show with a deep and philosophical question to send my guests on their way. If social media were to disappear tomorrow, no Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you name it. What's the one thing you would want your followers and readers to most remember you for? Shitty wrestling jokes uh, shoehorned <laughs> into basketball and baseball content. That's the, the, the mix of everything, you know? You're like everything a buffet on Twitter. Everything is professional wrestling, Chris. <laughs> I feel like I, I get a lot of people, and I said this on Twitter myself recently, is like, oh, my basketball followers who, who, who stay here for the Raptors takes, and then they'll see me on like a Saturday or Sunday live tweeting an AEW show. They're probably like, what the hell is this guy talking about? And there's probably people listening to this show today being like, who's MJF? Who's Johnny Gargano? <laughs> well, uh, figure it out. Get, get, uh, <laughs> get in or get in or get out. Get on that Wikipedia grind, everybody. Look up these names. You're missing out on some great stuff. But again, Blake, you're the best, man. Thank you so much for doing this show. Again, I know your time is valuable, but you always make time for me, and I really do appreciate that. Before I let you go, remind the listeners where they can find you on Twitter, the web, the radio, you name it. Yeah, uh, Blake Murphy ODC on Twitter, E Blake Murphy on Instagram, uh, Fan Drive Time 5 to 7, and then Raptors TV whenever. And Will Lucio on Tuesdays, and we'll see. Maybe some Blue Jays stuff ahead uh, to announce when that season picks up. I don't know. You know where to find me. I'm I'm all over the place. I didn't have a cool intro for you today like the Blake Murphy Tuesday. Uh, that soundbite gets me every time, buddy. But again, <laughs> thank you so much for doing this, man. Truly man, appreciate the first, it. Man, the first time they hit me with that was uh, I was very, very confused and uh, out of sorts. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need that level of attention, so don't worry about it, Chris. And that was my interview with Blake Murphy. Like he said, you more than likely know where to find him already. But just in case, it's Blake Murphy ODC on Twitter. Catch his Raptors, Blue Jays, and pro wrestling takes there. I feel like I have a pretty good rapport with Blake. That was a fun interview. Not too many people in sports media dig pro wrestling and the Toronto Raptors. So I'm fortunate to find someone who does. And I mean, let's be honest. How many podcasts are you getting Bronson Reed and Yaka Pertle name drops, am I right? Need to stand out here. This has been episode 62 of the Walder Sportscast. If you enjoyed today's show or simply want to show me some love, leave a rating and review. Helps more and more people find us. And you can catch the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Podbean, and Amazon. More episodes are coming, so stay tuned. Follow me on Twitter at Walder Sports as always, and I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Walder Sportscast. Hit that subscribe button on iTunes and follow Chris on both Twitter and Instagram at Walder Sports.